Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Hey, I got a question for you. How many of you guys here are Star Wars fans? Anybody here? Okay, I'm going to test you on your knowledge of Star Wars. What was the name of the planet that uh, Luke Skywalker lives on? Thank you. Say it louder because I can't say it. That's why I'm asking. Tatooine. Tatooine, that's right. He is, a, uh, he is living on the planet Tatooine. That's how we're introduced, with his aunt and his uncle. And um, he's living there um, in this planet. It's a, it's a desert planet, and it's on the edge of the galaxy. It's far away from everything. His uncle is a moisture farmer. How many of you have ever met a moisture farmer before? I mean, I, I love that. He's a moisture farmer. And uh, I think that means he, he harvests water. I'm not sure exactly. But anyway, they live in this isolation. They're far away from everything. They, they're just out there by themselves. You know, Luke has these dreams. He has these dreams that one day he'll be a great pilot, that he'll do all these things. You know, it's, that's how you start off. But he has no idea who he really is. Luke is living out there in isolation, far away from everything that's trying to kill him. But he doesn't understand that at the time. He has no concept that he is the chosen one. He's a descendant of a Jedi Knight, one who has gone bad, but he has no idea of that. He has no idea that he has been chosen to bring peace and order to the galaxy. He has no idea that his sister is a princess, Princess Leia. As far as Luke is concerned, he's just a moisture farmer apprentice stuck on an old desert planet in the middle of nowhere. Moisture farmer apprentice, stuck doomed. That's the identity that Luke Skywalker starts off with in the movies. It's only later on that he learns the truth. It's only later on he learns about who he is and the truth of it sets him free. He changes. He's free to become what he was destined to be. And the story, the movie series is so much the story of all of us because all of us are living on this planet we call earth doing whatever it is we do. And because we believe that this is all there is, because so many people in this world believe that, that this clay ball that we live on is it, that this life that we're living right now, this moment that I'm living in, this very moment right now is all there is, they're stuck. And they believe their destiny is stuck. I'm stuck being a salesman. I'm stuck being a postman, a doctor, a banker. I'm stuck being a mom. I'm stuck being a mechanic, a teacher. This is all there is. This is it right here. There's nothing more than this. And I'm destined to live, to work, to make some money, maybe get married, maybe have some children, raise my children, go on some vacations, and eventually I'm destined to die. And that's how we live our lives. We believe that's our identity. We live in that idea that that's who we are, that's our identity. And yet something inside of each one of you and inside of me screams, this isn't it, there's something bigger than this. I'm, I'm destined for something else. There's something so much more than this. And I believe that the truth is, is that almost none of us know what our true destiny, our true identity really is. That we struggle with this whole thing of who we really are. We have no clue who we are and what we were created for. Even most of those who have been forgiven of sin, those people who call themselves Christians and followers of 
Jesus Christ, almost all of them have no clue. And they're living far beneath the identity of what they were created for. And certainly they're living beneath what they were redeemed for. Because you were redeemed for something. You weren't just given Jesus' blood to make you clean so that you could do whatever you wanted. You were redeemed and forgiven for something. I believe when we're forgiven and made new that we're given a new and completely joyful identity. That's when, when we are made brand new, when Christ forgives us of sin, that's when it's revealed who we really are. That's our, that's our moment when Obi-Wan Kenobi comes along and tells us that their father is a Jedi Knight. It's an exciting moment. And I believe it's imperative that we know it and that we live this out. Last week I gave you core value number one. I said that God is good. And we talked about that last week. And hopefully you've been experiencing that. I, I believe God is good. I love the song that we sang today about His goodness. He's a good Father. That's who He is. He is a good Father. God's he, he demonstrated that goodness to us when, when Jesus Christ came to this earth. I mean, you know, there was no other way that he could demonstrate it that effectively. That was an incredible moment when Jesus came to this earth and, and died on a cross for our sin. That was an amazing moment. That is an amazing story. You know, we, we've heard it so many times that we don't understand, but man, what a good father who would give us his son, who would come be one of us so that he could save us. Well, the second core value is just that. Salvation creates a joyful and true identity in us. When we're forgiven, we find out that we are the sons and daughters of a king. As I said, it's our Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. He comes and he reveals himself to us. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, when we accept that he is God and we believe that and we trust that, he opens up the curtain and shows us, you're not just clay walking on this earth. You're the sons and daughters of God most high, sons and daughters of a king. When we're forgiven of our sin and when we enter into a real relationship with Jesus, this whole new great identity is revealed to us. And I want to look at how that, uh, so I want to look at how that works. Number one is this, Jesus has won a complete victory over Satan, sin and death. And I want you to understand that. Sometimes we think that, well, he's forgiven me of sin, but Satan's still in charge. He's still running this world. I got to tell you the truth, he's not. You need to hear me on this. Romans 8 Chapter, one, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Let me, let me go back and say that again. Because Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. It didn't just sort of set you free. It didn't sort of fix something. He set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So the victory over Satan is not sort of a victory. It's not something that we will reap a benefit from at a later time. A lot of us have this idea that I'm saved and someday I'll be in heaven and someday I'll be free of sin. And someday, That's not what it's saying. It says that we're free, that we can break off sin in our lives right now, that we can be set free, that we can live a righteous life beginning right now. His death and his resurrection has wrestled the power and dominion over this world from Satan. 
See, when Satan became disobedient, God banned him to an old rock out in the middle of his universe. He called it earth. It was just an old dirty rock. And then one day God said, I'm done. I got an idea. He said, I'm going to create out there. And he took earth and he spoke into being all these things that we know we see now. He put water, sky and trees and birds and animals and created this beautiful, beautiful planet all around it. And Satan is stuck here on this beautiful earth. And then God did something really cool. He created us and he breathed his life into us and he made us in the image of himself so that we could walk around in front of Satan in dominion over Satan. And Satan would have to go, man, those people are in the image of God. I hate them. I hate that. You ever, you ever, you ever have something in your life that you just go, man, I hate that. I, I hate it when they walk in front of me. That's Satan right there. He's just walking around. We're walking around in front of him and, and, and Adam and Eve are, are, are perfect in every way. And Satan's going, I hate that. I hate that because they look like God. Satan hates God. Okay, so everything was good until one day Satan tempted Eve. He tempted Adam and they gave in to it and they fell. They lost the image of God. And they also lost dominion over the earth as it was given to Satan. And he's been our tormentor ever since. He's been tormenting us, telling us that we're worthless. He's, he, he's held us captive. He's, he's told us that God doesn't love us. He's, he, he's told us that I'm your prince and you have to do what I tell you to do. He's lied to us. He's imprisoned us. He's convinced us there's no hope. You ever met anybody with no hope? You know, it's, it's ugly. It's really ugly. He's lied to us. We've come to understand our identity as sinner, addict, liar, thief, murderer, useless, unable to change. And all these and many more have caused us to lose the true identity we were born with, which was image of God. Sons and daughters. Ones he created to be in fellowship with him. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to wrestle control away from Satan. He went to get it back. He went to say, no more, you're not going to own my people i'm going to get this back so he took our sins upon himself and he died he took our punishment he went to hell but because he was perfect and was the perfect sacrifice and was without sin of his own sin had no hold no grip on him and he defeated death and satan and he defeated hell and he rose from the dead and he rose with all the power that satan had used against us because he had taken it back and he rose to forgive us and to restore us to the place of dominion and power to overcome all the schemes Satan throws at us. We're forgiven. It wasn't just a whitewash. We were truly forgiven. And when he forgave us, he said, you're free of sin. You're not living in the past. See, a lot of us are walking around going, yeah, well, you just don't know about my past. I was pretty awful. God doesn't remember that. He set you free from the past. See, a lot of us are walking around all tied up by our past. Well, this happened to me and that happened to me and there's nothing I can do about it. And God is telling you, you don't have to live in your past. I set you free from your past. I've made payments on your past. You're free of sin. You're free of condemnation. You're free. You're righteous. You're living in healing and wholeness and truth and joy. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. There should be some shouting going on in here today. 
Because I know some of you have some sins that if we stood up here and begin to talk about them, you'd be really embarrassed by. But God is never going to do that. You know, people talk about judgment and they say, well, man, I tell you, judgment is going to be awful of our sins. No, they're not. Not if they're forgiven. God's going to stand you up there. The judgment tape's going to begin to play and it's going to be blank because he took care of it. It's all paid in full. I don't have to live in my past. All that's gone. He's not counting our sins against us. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what it means to get a new identity. Our identity is not what we have been. It's not what we do. It's child of God in the image of God. And we're restored to be the children of God Almighty. We're not restored as slaves. I, I've got to tell you, this is a good thing. And this is something that we ought to be celebrating today. We're not restored so that God can remind us of all the things we've done wrong. You know, sometimes as a, as a dad, maybe we're in a discussion and we're talking and maybe one of my boys says something and I remind them of something they did a long time ago. And they go, man, you never forget anything, do you? You know, and some of you, I'm, I know you don't do that, but I'm, I'm a bad dad. So, you know, I, I don't do it all right. But but, you know, the reality is God doesn't do that in our lives. Jesus painted the picture of this restoration for us. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And I'm not going to read it, but you know the story. The story is the story of the prodigal son who takes off and takes all that his father has, has worked for and he takes his inheritance and he runs off with it. And, and he goes to do his own thing and he, and he wastes his inheritance. He squanders his inheritance it says riotous living. He, he basically just blew it on, on pleasure, doing what he wanted to do. And when he was done, he was hungry and he was eating in a, he, he hired himself out to a pig farmer and he's eating with the pigs and he's living in the slop and the dirt and the filth. And he, and he looks at himself one day and he says, what have I become? And he recognizes his lostness and he says, I'll tell you what, I can't go home as a son because my son, you know, I've lost the image of my father, but I can go home as his servant. And he goes home and he walks down the lane and it says that when he walked down the lane his father saw him from a ways off and he came running to him and when he came running to him his son was going to tell him look let me be a servant but his father says to him get the robe get the ring put sandals on his feet give him a bath kill the fatted calf let's celebrate this son of mine who was lost has been found he doesn't call him servant. And that's a picture of God running towards us when we come home. He doesn't make us servants. He doesn't say, well, you've blown it. So you used to be here, but you're down here now. He takes us back as his children. You are his son. You are his daughter. He loves you like you love a daughter, like you love a son in your life. Even ones who have done things that bother you at times. I love that picture. Jesus is teaching. He's healing the sick. And in Luke chapter 8, Jesus' mother and his brothers come to see him to convince him to go back home. They're his physical flesh and they're part of his life. And Jesus says, my mother and brothers are not these. My brothers and mother are those who hear God's word and practice it. When you become a child of God, when you become a forgiven person, when you accept Jesus Christ, you become his family. He takes you in. You're not, you're not some stranger. You're not, you're not saying, well, you know, I'm sort of okay. I go to church. It's not like that. You're his family. You know, it, it's like this, you know, if you come over to my house, you'd be welcome. You can come sit in the living room. 
hang out with me a little bit. That's good. When Stephen, Dana, John, April, and the grandkids come over, they don't have to knock. You better knock. You might get, like, shot at or something if you just break it, especially in the middle of the night. Turn my cocker spaniel loose on you or something, you know. <laughs> but my kids don't need to. They don't need to knock. They can just walk in. And, and if they want something to eat, they don't have to ask, can I use the refrigerator? They get what they want. When Ellie gets there, she doesn't say, can I play with the toys? She goes and gets the toys. When she wants something to eat, she doesn't usually ask. She knows where the snacks are. She's family. And that's the way it is with God and us. You are his child. He didn't welcome you back and say, now you be a servant. You sit over there. He welcomed you back and he said, you're a son, you're a daughter. You don't need to ask. Just come in, sit down, take your shoes off. If you want to take a nap on the couch, it's okay. Get in the refrigerator, get whatever you want to eat. It's yours. You're my child. We've forgotten that. See, we, we think that our identity is I'm saved and so I go to church and that means I've got to behave when I'm at church, but the rest of the time I, I just do what I want. You, that's not true. See, that's, that's totally not true. Jesus is saying, you're my children. You've been adopted in as sons and daughters. You've joined the family business. I see Tim Williams walking around during the week and he's got this shirt with a logo on it because he's in a business that has logo shirts and he wears those. It means that he's a part of the business. It identifies him. We wear logo shirts. Our logo shirt says, child of God. And we wear it all the time. Okay? We're his children. We put a decal on our car that says, child of God. But it's more than that. We are part of the business. And we are in the business of reconciling this world to God. You're not here and you don't go to church just because it's something to do on Sunday or because, you know, it it puts you in right standing with something and, and you want to go to heaven someday. You're here because this is the sales meeting getting you ready to go back out to do reconciliation work. You're here because you need to get back into community and back into a place of of hearing God speak so that you're ready to go back out because you're in the business. You're the family business. We're all in the family business of reconciliation. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians. I read it already. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's not as if, it's really because he is. He's making his appeal to the world through you. We're in the family business. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. He's changed the way we look at others. He did this by making him sin who had no sin for us, so that in Christ we might experience reconciliation and become righteous like God made in his image again. See, when you get saved, when you ask Jesus Christ into your life, you're not just fixing old sin and saying, there, I'm I'm same old me, just got some things painted over. He's remaking you into his image. You're now like him. He is your father. You're in his image. I'm standing at at, uh, at, uh, at the Cracker Barrel the other day. 
I met Stephen for lunch. I was riding back from, I'd been up to New Buffalo, Michigan, up by the lake, and I was riding my motorcycle back down, and I stopped in Kokomo and had lunch with Steve, and I stopped to eat lunch with him, and we went to Cracker Barrel. We're getting done, and I'm up there paying, and Steve starts in with all this. Well, I remember when we were little, and we'd come to Cracker Barrel, and you'd buy candy for yourself, and you never buy any candy for us. I don't remember that. He's nuts, you know. But this poor clerk lady that was running the cash register, she's looking at us and she can recognize that we're son and, and dad because we look a lot alike. He carries my image. He's in the image of his father. And then she goes, and this isn't really part of the story, but it's just funny. She goes, oh, setting him up, getting him ready to go to the psychologist, huh? <laughs> Thank you. I said, yes, I, I've done a good job. He's... He's well, well there. He's nuts, you know, and I still don't know what he's talking about, but that's okay, you know, kids. But the point is he's in my image. People recognize him as my son all the time. I never have people that don't. I, I was with him one day at, at the um, Harley Davidson shop over in, in Kokomo. They were having a big thing and he was doing, he's a radio DJ in a rock station and he was doing his thing and his name's Stevie Riggs on the air and so he's over there doing his thing, and, and uh, I walk in, and this girl goes, she's working at the counter. She goes, you're Riggs' dad, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. How can you deny that? I mean, we look alike. He, he carries the image of his father. And the funny part is I carry the image of my father. And, and see, the thing is, is that's what we do spiritually too. We're not just saved to go to church and to be good and not break some laws and not to do some things. We're forgiven of our sin and we're made over in the image of our Father. We carry the image of God wherever we go. You are in the image of God. And it's not a physical thing. Our image of God thing is not my hair color or my, my face or my, my, my size or my whatever, the way I talk. It, it's, the image of God is my righteousness. I am righteous like my Father. People see my righteousness, not my self-righteousness. That's not like my Father. Not when I walk around and act like I'm better than everyone else but the righteousness of God that's in me that causes me to love and to love deeply, even when things are not good, like this week. You know, my heart breaks for all people involved in that situation at Yorktown. And, and I see a lot of people saying some pretty horrible things on there, and I understand that. Don't get me wrong, because it's a horrible thing that happened, but, but I can still love deeply because God gave me love. It's His love that loves So my part, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation. I'm, I'm here to, to love people and to bring them back to Christ and to God so that they can be made over in the image of God. My job is not, my identity is not just, oh, he's saved and he doesn't do certain things. My identity is not addict. My identity is not liar or thief. I'll, let me tell you what your identity is. You're going to like this. Your identity is Jedi Knight of Reconciliation. I don't know if you get that. If you're not a Star Wars guy, you don't get that. But if you are, you understand that. You're top of the top. You're one of those people going out with the battle, taking the battle out to the problems that are out there trying to save the world. You're the Jedi Knight of Reconciliation. You're a righteous saint. You're an ambassador. You've been char uh, charged with helping others come back home to Papa. 
He wants them back. He's looking for them. And he says, go help me find my children. Bring them back. They're sons and daughters. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And he says, I want you to get it out there. And you don't do it by going out in some plasticky sort of way with a, with a, a, a spiritual laws or something and you're reading them off to people. You do it by your love. When you love people, you're loving them back into the kingdom. When you go out with Christ's love and you do things that are just extraordinarily crazy love, people go, why did you do that? I don't know, because my father loves me. I just have to. Why do we give Christmas to 350 people, families this year? Because we love them. Because Christ loved us. You know, why do we give shoes? Why are we, why are we going to the mission? Why are we uh, taking food to the food pantry? Why are we doing all the things we do? I don't know, because Christ loved us and we want to be a part of that and love other people and hopefully they'll see Christ's love in that and their heart will get blessed. Why do we go down to blood and fire? Because Christ loved us. I mean, why do we keep doing all the things we do? Because Christ loved us. That's the only answer. And we're in His image and we're acting like Jesus and we're just going to go do it. It's not anything about us. It's not like we're sitting there going, man, look at us. Aren't we awesome? That's not it. If you're doing it for that reason, you're doing it for the wrong thing. You've missed out on all the blessings. We do it because we love Jesus, because he first loved us, and we are his ambassador, and we're showing other people. And we're new creations. We're not just rebuilt. When I was a teenager, uh, I had an old 67 Camaro. I bought that thing, and I I say it was old. That was a 1975 thing. It was eight years old, (laughs) you know, but uh, it, it uh, it had rust on the wheel wells. I don't know why it was rusted. It was only eight years old. I guess because GM back then made rusty cars. I don't know. But anyway, it had rust on the wheel wells. Well, you know, back then when I was in high school, there's no problem with that. We knew what to do. You buy some Bondo. Most of you don't know what Bondo is, but it's this plasticky stuff. You mix it all up and you smear it in the holes where the rust are and you sand it down. And when you get done, you spray paint it. Only, you know, I didn't have the money to go get a spray painter, right? So, you know, you take some cans of paint that look almost like what you have and you spray it over that. And, you know, it looks pretty good. You put some big old tires and wheels on that and jack it up a little bit, put a loud exhaust on there. Man, you got yourself a, car, a big stereo. Forgot the stereo part. Maybe some shag carpet, too. And you had yourself a car, you know, and you were cool. You could cruise up and down, um, you know, and f- go into Frisch's big boy out there on the on the by- out on the, uh, uh, nine and, and cruise around. I mean, you know, it was just great. The problem with that was is after about, I don't know, six months, the, the rust started leaking back through. And you had rust running down the side of your car where your Bondo was because it was just a paint over job. It wasn't a fixed job. You didn't change it. You didn't rebuild it completely. You just fixed it. You didn't make it new. You just fixed it. That's not what God does in our lives. When he redeems us, he doesn't just patch us up and paint over it. He doesn't just say, oh, don't worry about it. Just spray paint over that. Nobody will know. The Bible says he makes us brand new. He takes away what's old and he puts us brand new. He makes us new. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has accepted Christ and his forgiveness, she, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Romans 6, 2, Paul reminds us, we died to sin. Romans 6, 11 says, count yourself dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. And my point is this, that God desires to do so much more than just paint over your rust spots. He desires to make you righteous. He desires for the old you to die and allow him to make you a brand new you, to make you ready for everything, for eternity, starting now. He's not looking at later on. He's saying right now, we don't have to live in that mess. 
You can be dead to sin and alive to Christ. He wants you to enter into a relationship with Him so that you can actively testify to the goodness and the love of God. See, we're not saved just by the Word of God, but we're saved by the Word of God and the testimony. The testimony is that God forgave me a sinner and God remade me brand new and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's my testimony to the world. And it's through that that people are saved and lives are changed because I'm Christ's ambassador. We've been given authority and access to all God's resources for the sake of this world. Do you know that? That right now that this world that you live in, you're looking at it going, I don't know how to fix it. You know what? You don't have to. God will. He's given you all the resources. We just have to say yes to Him and understand our identity and understand that we're part of the solution here. Our new normal is to hunger and thirst, not for the things of the world. I hear people and they're always hungering and thirsting for the world. You know, last night when Andrew Luck announced his retirement in the middle of a football game, it was really weird. You know, there was a whole lot of upset people in Indianapolis. I, I was a little upset. I admit it, you know, but that's because that meant so much. You know, if we would have said in the middle of a game, hey, a church is going to close, nobody would have noticed. We hunger and thirst for the things of the world. Those things, man, we want that. We want that. I'm hungry for it. Give me the world. Give me the world. Give me the world. The new hunger and thirst for us as Christians, once we've been rebuilt, is a hunger and thirst for his righteousness, for his goodness, for his love. Passing on this truth to others becomes my passion. I look around the world at me and I, I hear a lot of things and, and I hear people say, well, we could solve the killing problems in our school if we would just get rid of all the guns. I'm not here to be political, but I got to tell you, I believe with all my heart that we can solve the problems in the world, of all the problems in the world, including that one, by changing the hearts of people. I really believe that today. I really do. And I'm not here to decide which way everything should go. I'm just telling you that I believe that God has an answer and He has given us that answer and that He has placed it in us and that we need to be ambassadors of that truth and we need to get that out to everyone. And it's not just writing it on Facebook, but it's living it out every day in your life in such a way that others begin to say, man, I hunger and I thirst. I want to be like her. I want to be like him. Because there's something about that. And then we tell them that, what you're seeing, that's Jesus. Let me show you Jesus. I've been made righteous. I am not a sinner saved by grace alone. Now, I was a sinner and I was saved by grace, but that's not who I live as now. I am now a saint who has been given my father's righteousness. I live in his righteousness. I'm a full partner with him in the gospel. I wear the logo on my shirt. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Let me ask you right now. I have a question as we finish this up. Who are you? Who are you? I mean, do you just come to church because it's the right thing to do? Do you just come to church because it makes you feel better? And you go, well, I got a little Jesus today and I feel better about it. I, I sang a few worship songs. That was nice. Or are you a son and daughter of Jesus, of, of God? Are you his child? Are you an ambassador of righteousness and goodness? and holiness. Who are you? 
Let me ask you another question. Do you even know who you are right now? Are you sure of your identity? Do you know that right now that you are his child? Do you understand your identity? Or are you walking around saying, well, I, I, there's not much I can do about it. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm just a sinner and you know, there's nothing I can do. I, I just despise that. That's not true. You're not just a sinner. You're a child of God. You don't have to live in the mess. Do you know your true identity? And if you know it, are you living it out? You know, I, I've met people who are, who are children of, of somebody important and they're not living out that identity. In fact, they're running away from it. Are you living in your true identity today? Or are you living out what Satan has told you you are? Loser. Failure. Stuck. Addict. Second best at best. See, I believe if you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ that there isn't anything that can stop you from being the person God created you to be. Satan can't stop you. The world can't stop you. The only thing that's stopping you is your lack of willingness to be obedient and follow Jesus and do what he asks you to do. You're a child of God. Let me declare to you something right now. And I want you to hear me clear. You are a child of God. You are his ambassadors. You are free. And none of your circumstances matter. You are free. And you say, well, but you don't understand. I have, you are free. And where you live at right now, God has placed you there to be his ambassador. And he created you to be free of the power of sin. And he created you to be a saint. And he created you to be in fellowship with him. And he's invited you to be in that intimate fellowship with him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's invited you right into the presence. And we need to change our perspective because we're living in a perspective that the world has told us that we're not as good as. You know, I lived in that all my life. You know, I grew up in that. Well, your name is Dill. You're never going to amount to anything. If I heard that once, I heard it a thousand times. Stupid cockroach was the name my father used endearingly to talk to me. I'm not putting him down. He just didn't understand. But I'm going to tell you something. I believed with all my life I was second best until Jesus told me I wasn't. And when I heard that I was his child, it changes everything. I don't live second best anymore. I'm his. I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I praise God for that today. I really do. Do you know that in your own heart today? See, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, that's who you are. But a lot of you, I believe, have accepted him, but still don't understand that. And I want you to understand that today. That's Nathan, come on up and and you're going to play for just a moment, and we're going to worship together as, as a church and as a community one more time. But I wonder if there's some of you that say, you know, I just need to pray. I just need to say, God, I'm sorry, and I want to be what you want me to be. I want to take that on as my identity, child of God. Maybe there's somebody here that says, you know, I have never really given my heart to Christ. It's more than just praying a prayer. It's truly saying, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm surrendering everything to you. You're mine. I'm yours. Give me the ring. Put the robe on me. Let's kill the fatty calf. You know, some of you, maybe you've never completely done that. Maybe if you have, you still don't understand and you just need to pray today. I don't know. Maybe nobody will pray. It's up to you. I'm not trying to drag anybody up here, but you know, I just want to open the altar as we worship. And if God is speaking to your heart, I want you to come this morning and pray and I'll pray with you and I'll be up here too and I'll be over there and, and if anybody needs me I'll be there to pray with you I'd love to do that my privilege let's stand together right now and I, I, let's just let's, let's ask God to help us right now Father I, 
I, I just really ask that you would speak into the hearts of people. Lord, that, that we would begin to get onto this, that you have given us a new joyful identity. And our joyful identity is Jesus Christ is our brother, our, our savior. He is, is reigning in our lives and we are sons, we are daughters, we're children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we live like that. We are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors that we have been given the love of Jesus to love others with. Lord, just let that sink in. Help us to get that today. I praise you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And if there's anyone here today that's kind of holding back on that, not sure what to say, not really hasn't bought into that today, Lord, would you let them buy into that? Would you just open up their hearts and let them accept that and change their lives as they get their true identity? We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for letting me be your child. You're my dad. You're my father. All the other stuff doesn't matter. Only you matter. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. We love you. We praise you. We praise you. We worship you tonight. We just lift you up right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come if you feel like praying. You need to pray. Amen. Thank you for that. Aren't you thankful for the grace that brought us back? Amen. Father, today I thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray that as we leave here that the thoughts of uh, what you have given to us today will not go away, but will linger with us. And that as we find ourselves in the midst of things that we have to do today, tomorrow, this week, that we'll be reminded that we're not doing them on our own, that we're not doing them as our old self, but we do them as children of God. Remind us of who we are, that we are ambassadors, that as we love others, as we give our love, not when it's easy and not when it's just the right thing to do because it's easy and they're lovable, but when we love people who are unlovable, when we love when things are difficult, when we love in spite of someone's unlovableness that we love as Jesus loves. Lord, I know that I was unlovable. I know that sometimes I still am. I try not to be, but Lord, I know sometimes I fall short, but, but I'm thankful for your love, which does not depend on my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We love you, we praise you, and we give you our lives, we give you our day, we give you our week and ask you to go with us, guide and direct us, be with us in all that we do and we'll give you praise. Now may you go with us, may you keep us, may you give us your love to love others with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.